Hi, my name's Hannah. And I'm Rachel. And we're still, still theater, theater majors. majors. Plot twist, we haven't changed since the last time you heard from us. Yay, go us. Yet. You know, I do graduate in a month, so I probably shouldn't. Why shouldn't, are you leaving me? I probably shouldn't change now. I think uh, it's too late for me. Well, if you change now, you can stay with me. You know, I love you, <laughs> but um, I think I need to spread my wings and fly. <laughs> oh my god. Which is the perfect segue, because this episode is all about careers in theater after graduation and interviewing some special guests. Like our alumni. And they're going to talk to us a little bit about how they use their skills within the theater department to um, help them with where they are now, as well as just like reminisce on some stories from when they were here in college. So Han. Yes. What are some careers that you've been thinking about with your theater major? Since like everyone everyone will ask. So what are you gonna do with a theater major? Everyone will ask, everyone has been asking. And it's even worse when you're about to graduate and everyone's like, so you're you're leaving Linfield. What are you doing now? And I'm like, I don't know. Um I do know that with the skills that I've learned in theater, there's a lot I could do. I think for me, what I'm looking at right now is moving, as I think I said in the last podcast, to New York because it's such a rich like art culture there, and I think I'll be able to find something there, um, especially as things are opening back up, which is really exciting. And I think right now I've been using – currently I'm using my skills in theater to – teach musical theater, as well as choreograph a musical at Canby High School. Um, so, you know, skills in dance, but also knowing how theater functions has really helped me in that aspect. So I think continuing to find kind of, I guess, odd jobs like that, where, like, you know, it's something within the theater to help, like, work my way up. I would also love to audition for things. I do really like acting, but I think that there is – a wide world of theater out there. Not only theater, like, there's a ton of other things that I could do with with the skills I have in theater. What about you, Rachel? Well, currently I'm employed um, by Linfield Theater in uh, the costume department, so I've been doing a lot of work study with Laurel, our costume designer, um, for the past few years. And so that's really my obvious pathway if I pursue working in the theater industry um, after graduation. Um, But I have always been interested in podcasts, especially scripted podcasts like Welcome to Night Vale or Hello from the Magic Tavern. Um, But I am also currently fully immersed into the world of tabletop RPGs, specifically Dungeons & Dragons. And I, since... You last heard from me. I am now currently a part of a live play D&D stream. So I feel like theater, especially like the art of improv and character development and world building, etc. And how theater is a medium for storytelling. Um, if I decide to pursue more stuff with um, tabletop RPGs, then... I feel like that would help me a lot, especially since all the people that I've been playing with are either within the arts or specifically in theater. So that's been pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think people don't really realize that these skills that you are developing within theater, so like costume design, for example, like you could go into costume design for a theater, but you could also go into like cosplay or fashion design with knowing those skills that you've already learned. Um, or like you said with D&D, like, you know, you've done acting as far as like improv and you've been able to open your brain up and creativity in that way, which has really helped you within storytelling and D&D. I also remember taking theater business, which is what you're taking right now. Correct. And hearing about all of the different like jobs within the business side of theater, which really like piqued my interest for a while, which I still might try to do. Depends on what doors open up for me. But like I've been doing social media for other aspects around campus. So like res life and stuff like that. And so, you know, Theaters need a social media director. Theaters need marketing. Theaters need box office. You know, they have all of these jobs that you would find in like a normal, like, you know, business setting because it is a business. And I think people don't realize that you could go into that side of it as well. Oh, yeah. We were, um, we had a guest in current business promo um, that Janet knows who is a, who works at the like art in the, or theater in the park in Queens. I don't remember the specific name. I'm, I apologize profusely. But um, they were talking about how they actually had to hire someone recently who has helped them prosper through um, the pandemic because they were a social media consultant. And like the importance of um, pr- promotions and advertising through social media, especially during this time, um, is really advantageous for theaters to get themselves out there and continue um, supporting their work. So, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty spot on career. Yeah, yeah. And you saying that made me think like how many opportunities that the pandemic has opened up as well because we've had to get creative with theater because we haven't been able to perform in person so like all these companies have been doing you know video production so that's a whole nother person now that they have to hire or you know learn these skills of video making as we've been doing with night in new orleans here in the theater department we've adapted this theatrical production into a film um, and being on that side of it as well and editing it you know having to learn different skills i think is now as theater moves on in the future, we're going to be using those skills now that we know it. Um, so although the pandemic sucks, there have been some other opportunities that have opened up because our, we've had to learn how to do things differently. So for the last podcast, we talked a little bit about where we see ourselves in the future, you know, traditional, classic, or where do you think you're going to be five years from now, ten years from now, and stuff? Um, kind of leaning off of that, um, before we get into our uh, interviews, um, Han, do you have any advice for yourself currently, for the future, for future you? I think I, knowing myself, I like to be perfect in everything I do. I expect a lot of myself, um, which I know is not 
good and not healthy because when I, you know, mess something up or if I don't get something right the first time, I get frustrated with myself. So I think, and I've gotten better at it, especially in the last like year or so, um, you know, having to be patient with myself and learning new things. But I think going forward after graduation, just continuing to like, if a job, if I don't get a job, like, you know, I need to try to find another like I need to just move on and try to find another one like I can't linger on it I can't overthink it I can't be like why didn't I get this job I need to be like okay this one wasn't the one for me guess I'll try the next one and I I think I need to continue to remind myself of that what about you don't stress out um a lot of the overthinking is your anxiety lying to you your friends actually do love you I do it's true (laughs) Don't be afraid to ask for help. I know it stresses you out and you don't want to be a burden to people, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Because they truly love you, they won't find you as a burden and will be willing to help you. And don't don't do things because you think people want you to do it do things because you love and feel yourself thrive in them Mm -hmm. that's a great one yeah good job thank you and on that note we're gonna move into some interviews and you're gonna hear some advice from our alumni for current students heck yeah let's get into it Our first guest that we are interviewing today is Trish Everett. So Trish, would you like to just briefly introduce yourself? Tell our listeners who you are. Hi, yeah, uh, I am Trish Everett. I am from the Linfield Theater class of 2007. Uh, So I started in 2003 and uh, Janet Gupton ended up being my inquiry seminar leader, I think, or whatever the the welcome to Linfield boot camp freshman jamboree thing we all did. Um, Yeah, so she she was the leader for that because I was with all of the pre-law students. And for some reason they gave us all to Janet because she was a lawyer. Uh, (laughs) And then I remembered how much I had always loved theater. And the next thing I knew I was taking classes in the theater program. And then I ended up majoring and double majoring. And yeah, it's been a wild ride. As I've gone on in my education and gone to larger and larger schools, I've really come to appreciate just what an amazing experience we had at Linfield because it is so small and you know everybody and everybody's supportive and and sort of all hands on deck all the time. Do you have like a favorite memory from being at Linfield and doing theater at Linfield? My, one of my favorite memories and actually what really got me hooked and probably is why I started to work with the theater department uh, was I was first semester of my freshman year and it was the first show of the fall and I was taking uh, Ty Marshall's design class. Uh, did you guys have class with Ty before he retired? Yeah, we, we were the, the last class that got to um, one class. We took stagecraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah too. It was great. I still have my lettering project, though. Oh, yes. On. Yep. Balanced and square. <laughs> one eighth of an inch. Yeah. All caps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So, so I was in Ty's design class. It was fundamentals of design and drawing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said that they needed some help working on the set and I had some time. And so I stuck my head in the theater and he's like, oh good, you're here. And he put me on top of one of the little cherry picker crane things mm -hmm. um, with a blowtorch and a lighter and was like, here, just burn all of this wood. We need it to look burnt and old. Oh and he showed me very briefly how to do it, gave me the the keys to the cherry picker, and then set me off to light the set on fire and just left. So it's just me, brand new <laughs> theater kid, lighting stuff on fire. Yeah, the usual. 12 feet in the air, like you do. That's the dream. Uh, oh it was goodness. awesome. And I was like, oh yeah, I love theater people. <laughs> uh, I loved being a theater major and I, I remember running around campus uh, uh, promoting productions and we had these giant paper mache heads sort of Julie Taymor style and transfiguration yeah yeah we so we had these have huge heads so we were running around with those and promoting shows and generally getting to shenanigans it's it's such a small amazing program and such a close family that you build there um, my some of my best friends are still folks that I met at Linfield and did shows with and had those late night hijinks and painting parties and staying up all night to strike a set and then going to Sherry's and you know, all of those fabulous traditions that we all love. So you said you were pre-law, right? Going into Linfield? Yeah. 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 So when you switched, like what were some of the like reactions or questions you received when you told people that you were going to be a theater major? Yeah, so I was, I went in thinking I'd do pre-law or psych, and then that switched pretty quickly into political science, mm -hmm. uh, and then meanwhile, I was still doing theater, and then I ultimately ended up double majoring in political science and theater, Okay. and I accidentally got a minor in gender studies. Oh, nice. Uh, just by virtue of the classes that I took. It wasn't intentional, it just sort of happened. Um, and I don't think I declared it, but I could have. Um, so my plan was to go into political campaign work. And so doing that theater side of things was gonna be beneficial to that and then learning about politics at the same time. And then I started to see just interconnections between the two throughout time and space and everything suddenly became interdisciplinary for me. And so my understanding of the world was rooted in performance and politics and how those two things played together. Uh, so that was just an, a natural connection that I seemed to make because politics is all theater and theater is political. But I have to say coming telling people that I was going to be a theater major, especially members of my family, it felt a bit like coming out of the closet. <laughs> uh, I, was like, I have something to tell you. <laughs> you, you know that they're not going to approve. Um, but my family was pretty supportive of it. And I think they were, they were convinced by my logic at the time mm -hmm. uh, that, that this plan that I had come up for myself made a lot of sense. Um, and of course, that's not even remotely what I ended up doing with my life. So it's, it's, I don't know, proof positive, I guess, of the power of a liberal arts education. Um, I think it trains us to 
think in a really unique way and to automatically make those interdisciplinary connections um, and to be very resilient. I think our ability to bounce back from all manner of weirdness uh, is something that you learn when you're allowed that sort of emotional and intellectual freedom to try things and to fail and change your mind and come up with a new plan and maybe that succeeds for a while and then you change gears again. Um, I, I think it's, it's made me feel very resilient and especially in these crazy COVID times, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that is invaluable because I've had to replan my life several times in the last <laughs> year. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a real strength, I think, of the small college experience and of Linfield in particular. So have you found that the skills that you learned in theater helped you um, after graduation and like day-to-day -day life? career-wise? Totally. totally. Uh, I, every now and again, I'll shoot janitor Ty an email and just sort of like, thanks for teaching me X, Y, or Z because I'm doing this. Um, above me is a ceiling fan that I have now installed and rewired twice. Uh, wow. The confidence to do so I gained from, you know, working with lighting equipment and mm -hmm. doing stage tech stuff. Um, and I, I still feel rather chuffed with myself that I can just do that. And you know, I put a power drill on my wedding registry <laughs> and I use it a lot. Um, so the, the practical skills of theater making, uh, I use all the time, but then those sort of habits of thought and the, the outlook and the, the way of looking at the world that I think you cultivate as a theater student uh, has definitely carried on through my life and through my work. Uh, when I finished at Linfield, I was really in deep denial that I was going to have to graduate and that I was going to have to leave the beautiful protective bubble. And so I got home and didn't know what to do with myself. I hadn't applied for jobs. I had written off going to grad school at that point. Uh, so I Googled jobs for theater majors and the first result was Holland America line. So I had a good laugh and I thought, okay, well, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, I applied about three hours later, they called and interviewed me. And then I was on my first ship about four or five days after that. Wow. So fresh out of Linfield, I worked as an assistant cruise director and sailed all over Alaska uh, the Mexican Riviera and throughout the Caribbean. So I did that for about a year and then had this sort of aha moment while working on library duty in <laughs> Puerto Rico, I think, and just feeling dead bored to my core. And I felt like I wanted to write a paper. And that was such a weird feeling and a weird compulsion. So then I sort of knew grad school was probably the thing and I ended up doing my master's in theater education and outreach at the University of Arizona. Uh, it was really the only program of its kind at that point and uh, learned a lot about myself and about how I like to live and work down there. Um, and so when it came time to figure out what comes after that, 
I found that I really loved teaching undergrads and that that was my favorite part of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So I figured, all right, I will be a theater prof. So I was looking at PhD programs and I knew I wanted to be somewhere that was the opposite of Tucson. Mm -hmm. It just really wasn't a great fit. So I thought, all right, the opposite of Arizona is Canada. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I was accepted to the University of British Columbia and I've been here in Vancouver ever since. Uh, And I finished my PhD in 2016. And again, that theme of political science and theater interconnecting and working together and informing each other still carried through all of my work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my master's, I was looking at democratic pedagogy. Mm -hmm. So how to empower students in their own learning and sort of the politics around that and doing that specifically in the theater classroom. And then uh, my PhD, I was looking at propaganda plays from the Great Depression that were written in sort of the Vancouver area and the surroundings. But it was a, it was a really fascinating time and I got to do a lot of teaching, which is the part that I really loved. Um, so I've been teaching on and off at UBC since then. Uh, and then I worked for a time at a bunch of other jobs. I've been working in the film industry. So I was running payroll for a talent agency for a while and doing background acting and then COVID hit and it changed everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was about to become an agent and I had this whole life plan set and then COVID destroyed the entire industry, the agency closed. And so that's, we come back to that piece about resilience and about being able to pivot and to figure out what are you able to do that you're good at and that you enjoy and how can you make that work? That, that ability to bounce back and to, to change on a dime is something that I started to learn at Linfield and have since honed a bit more. Uh, and it's been so helpful throughout my life. So I, I'm sure as, as seniors and people that are about to graduate and move on or or maybe not. Um, it's a terrifying time, but it's also a really exciting one. And the crazy thing is, is you, it may not feel that way, but you will land on your feet uh, and then you'll fall down again and then you'll pick yourself up and land on your feet in another country, maybe. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good and it's healthy and it's normal to really roll with the punches. That's actually like the perfect segue to the next question, which was any advice that you have to seniors um, that are about to graduate or perhaps newly graduated alum who are trying to still like, you know, get on their feet? I think just to the extent that you can follow your interests and follow your passions and, and just keep asking questions and know that just because you've chosen one path You're not committed to that. That doesn't have to be your whole life. It can be a thing that you do for a little little while and then you shift gears and you try something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I was, my my year that I spent working on a cruise ship was one of the best and worst of my life. I mean, the good days were so good. You'd wake up and you'd go off to an island and you'd drink fancy rum drinks and then you'd go for a swim and then you'd get back on your ship and then you'd, 
you know, throw a party and then you'd go to bed. But the bad days were so bad. And so you just have to keep an eye on balance, uh, make sure that the good days outnumber the bad. And if they don't, then do something about it. Yeah. Uh, just don't let yourself get stuck. If it's not working, try something else. <laughs> Move to Canada. <laughs> you know, I am. Yeah, that's all. I'm going to put that into my top Trisha's top tips. Uh, definitely move to Canada if you can, because it's been awesome. Is there anything else that you want to add, Trish? I am so excited for you guys. If that's a weird thing to say, I don't know. But you are in such an incredible moment in your lives. And it's equal parts terrifying and completely thrilling. <laughs> and I, I think back on that period of my life quite fondly. Um, and that not knowing and that sort of infinite possibility um, is so scary, but gosh, it's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And your life won't always be like that. So try to embrace it to the extent that you can. Um, I know that's a crazy old nostalgic thing to say maybe, but uh, an easier said than done, definitely with the benefit of hindsight. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we're on the cusp of a, of a new world and a new way of living. And so for you to be leaving school and heading out into that new world, whatever it may be, um, what a magical time. So, well, thank you so much um, for chatting with us. It, it was really great to hear like a different perspective from someone who went to Linfield is now doing amazing things. Thanks. <laughs> Now we're joined by another one of our alumni, Matt Lurkey. Um, Matt, could you tell us a little bit about like your what year you graduated, a little bit more about yourself? Oh, certainly. So I started uh, in the fall of 1998, back when uh, they were figuring out what email and the internet was there on campus. All of that born, good stuff. I was born that year. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm feeling so young right now. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and then I graduated in 2002. Um, I think I was like the second to last class to only use the Pioneer Hall Theater. I never got to be in the fancy Marshall building. It's Marshall, right? Yes. I think yeah. That's what, yeah. So I have been able to visit a couple of times and I'm so glad to see that they uh, moved on up to a new building there. Nice. So mm -hmm. you want to briefly describe like your time and your journey within the theater department at Linfield? Yeah, so it, it was an interesting time because um, in 98, my first two years, my freshman and sophomore year, uh, Professor Tom Gressler was still part of the program, and he had been part of the program for, I want to say, almost 20 years, and he, Ty, and Brenda made this amazing program, and so halfway through that is when they started to find uh, the search for Tom's replacement, and so uh, myself and another student got to be part of that selection process. And we got to interview many people for that position. And of course, Janet Gupton was one of them. And so then it was really exciting to, exciting is not the right word, because when we said goodbye to Tom, um, thanked him for all his help, and then for Janet to come in with new ideas and a new perspective to enhance what Ty and Brenda were already doing. So my time was kind of dual split between kind of what was done, tested, and true, and then kind of with a new initiative and new blood, which is an exciting time to help be part of that transition process. Yeah. Also, in thinking about this question, my time as a theater student 
was kind of split between like the analog age and the digital age mm -hmm. because the internet was still coming out and people weren't as trusting of it. I remember people saying like, oh, you ordered something from Amazon. Are you sure that's safe? You know, back in the day in that sense. And I remember in my theater marketing business class, we had to practice writing form letters and such to mail for publishing rights and to ask for, you know, catalogs and such, which now you just go to their websites and do that kind of stuff. And so, and even when it came to formatting your resumes and headshots, it was kind of at the old uh, regime of like, well, it has to be this format in black and white. And that also since changed dramatically since that time. And so it was interesting to kind of be on the cusp of both of those things from going from like paper tools of drafting to, you know, digital tools, which we just started to explore during that time as well. And so it was an interesting blend of both of those things. Do you have a favorite memory that you have from being in the, the theater department at Linfield? Uh, it's so funny. I was thinking about my time at Linfield and time and time again, I, I kept thinking about the people, the friends, the, uh, the comrades I made during that time. Uh, at the time, you know, the program was very small, which was one of the benefits of it. You know, if there was maybe by the end, I think there's only four of us majors my senior year wow. in that sense. And so when it came time to taking, you know, your required classes and the productions and the ACTF outings, you were always going with the same people. And so you really built this tight-knit family for better or for worse, you know, <laughs> in that sense. And, you know, thinking back about the student icebreakers, how, you know, we, the people put it together under the guidance of the faculty and sense. Um, and just really thinking back about making that family of people. And as you know, in theater, when you have auditions, you know, sometimes new people came in uh, who weren't even majors or just interested. And you got to know those people because theater creating those productions is such an intimate experience that you can make those friends quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the fun process of going to a class and being like, oh, there's the same six people, <laughs> you know, knowing how to interact with those people, knowing their idiosyncrasies, knowing how to communicate with them. It, it just made the whole process, even from day one, feel more familiar than foreign in that sense. Yeah. Were you always a theater major? Yes. Yeah. I was so, from day one. <laughs> so we'll start by asking, why did you want to do that? Um, I found my path. Okay, let me back up. Little armchair psychologist here. So growing up, I was a military child. My dad was in the Coast Guard. And every two to three years, we moved. And, you know, we moved to a new town, had to start over, all of those things. And when you move to a new town, you meet new people, you get to know them, you get to know them well, and then you leave and you start over again. And I found in middle school, high school, uh, an English teacher said, you're pretty funny, you should audition for a play. So I did. And then I found that doing a play was a two month process where you meet new people, get to know them, do this amazing work, and then you leave. And then the next play, you do that all over again. So it was really in the same uh, lane as kind of my life experiences. And in high school, I really flourished doing theater, mainly because I was a man, because they always yeah, need men true. on stage. I will, I'll, I'll admit that privilege 100% there. And when my parents come sophomore, junior year of high school said, you know, what do you want to major in? I said theater. And they took a big gulp and said, okay. And they were very supportive of it. And uh, landing at Linfield was actually, you know, very fortuitous. It was between Linfield and PLU. And I kid you not, the recruiters both called on the same day. And the person at PLU had a nice answer but had to look in the binder and said I think they do a production uh, I'm not sure and then no joke the Linfield person called 
and I asked them about their theater program and they just immediately gushed about how amazing it was and how inclusive and it was great. And so literally sight unseen, I said, I'm going to go to Linfield. Mm -hmm. And I was very fortunate that it was a good fit for me in that sense. Were there any other like reactions or questions that you received when you told people you were going to major in theater? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, people will say, well, what are you going to do with that, of course? So are you going to work at Starbucks your whole life? All of that. What I found was more interesting was after I graduated, my focus shifted to educational theater or TYA, theater for young audiences. And then actually I had a lot of my uh, cohort, people I graduated with and theater practitioners say, well, when are you going to do real theater? And that really got my hackles up. Because, you know, Shakespeare, classical, musicals, they're all important. No, no form of theater should, you know, put down the other form. Right. And so the question I got more so is, you know, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do real theater, not just theater for quote unquote kids or kiddos? Oh, I hate that term. Um, and, and, you know, <laughs> what I tell them, what I really want to tell them, you know, is like, well, at least I'm working in the field and, you know, not somewhere else. But that's horrifically mean because I'm in that position right now. But, you know, once you find your passion with theater, and for me, it is working with people who want to learn it, you should never feel, you should always follow that passion. And it has served me quite well for almost 20 years now. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about, um, about it, but what are you doing right now and how did theater help you to get there? Um, I have been very fortunate that up until right now, I have always worked for a nonprofit theater organization for almost 20 years in my career. Um, I started right after Linfield, an internship at the Seattle Repertory Theater in their education department. And then I toured with the Missoula Children's Theater for a couple of years, settled down in Portland, Oregon for a few years and worked at Northwest Children's Theater in school in their um, outreach program and other capacities there. Decided to go back on the road with Missoula Children's Theater and then landed in Missoula at the home office for uh, MCT and uh, worked my way up. And I just uh, hung up my hat uh, after almost 10 years at MCT as their education director. And you know, all of my experiences you know, started from Linfield, getting that, what I'd say is the most important thing of any education program is it gives you confidence. Mm -hmm. It gives you the wherewithal to say like, I, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. And with theater being such a subjective field that, you know, what I'm doing is right. Oh, what you're doing is right. Oh, what you're doing is right. So there's no black and white in theater for, I would say the most part. And going in with that confidence of saying, you know, I am making a educated choice. I know I have kind of have my background, whether it's life skills or education skills or experience in that sense, help me at each step of that process. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the biggest thing that helped me with Linfield that the mantra was when I was there, and I hope it's still there, or maybe just modified, is, um, hey, you want to be an actor? <sighs> we don't have any roles on stage, but we need someone to run the light board. Do you know how to do that? And you say like, yes, yes, I do. And what I really appreciated, and now seeing some other programs helping students get into other schools, is that Linfield really does want you to be exposed and experienced in all facets of theater. Oh my gosh, can I draw for my costume design class for Ty? Goodness, no. I think I turned in a sketch with four fingers once and he kind of looked at me and I said, oh, this is the best I can do. And he acknowledged that, you know, like you're trying. And that in turn made me infinitely more appreciative and respectful of costume designers and technicians and their craft as well. And so having that extensive overview of theater really got my foot in the door in a lot of places. 
And it's been so beneficial from people saying, well, I only direct and I'm not going to work in the box office. To which I say, well, you're going to have a big, hard road ahead of you there. <laughs> so, um, so that's really served me well. And now I'm at a fun, scary point of my career. You know, pandemic really affected the arts in so many ways. And after being with MCT for 15 years, it's a great company. They do wonderful things. But I was in a spot personally and professionally where I'm like, you know, I don't know if I have anything more to offer this organization combined with maybe a 40 year old midlife crisis of what am I doing with my life, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so now I'm at a point where the first time in my life and career I've paused and said, okay, you know, what am I passionate about theater? What do I want to do to move forward? It's not something I'm just going to hang up and walk away from, but I feel like I've lost sight and focus of, you know, what my passion is. And it's an exciting place. And well, I feel like I'm going really off track here, but no, this is <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's also hard. And this, this kind of bleeds into advice for, you know, majors and seniors moving forward. Something I've been dealing with now, which I didn't realize I think I've been dealing with for all of my career is your job title and what you do is not tied to your success and your personality or your character in that sense. Like if I don't work in theater right now, I am not a failure, you know? I am merely looking at the opportunities, assessing what works for me, and that we always don't have to be working in the arts to be a quote unquote successful theater major or theater practitioner. Um, that it takes time to really evaluate how you wanna move forward, how you can benefit uh, the communities, the companies, the artists in there. Because I'm at a point now, um, I'm 40, and I have enjoyed performing, but you know what? That might not be what I want to do for the rest of my life. Maybe I would like to direct more TYA shows. Maybe I need to look at executive directorships, things like that. And so to also acknowledge that you are not pigeonholed in one field of theater, you can evolve into it. And it's a great, it's a great industry in that sense. You, said, you were saying you were going off track, but it was actually perfect. <laughs> like literally exactly what, you know, a seniors who are about to graduate are going through right now being yeah. like, what am I doing with my life now that I'm done with school yeah and so don't judge your success by your career judge your success about what makes you happy trademark Matt Lurkey there you go <laughs> <laughs> I do want to share an anecdote if I can maybe add some levity to this because yes. you know you're asking asking about all of your favorite times and I hope Janet hears this and she laughs and shakes her head um the final production i was in was two gentlemen of verona uh back in 2002 my last one there and janet had this great concept of doing kind of like the teen drama like uh, the late 90s early 2000s like beach set drama uh, uh and so she also i played the lance lance gosh i can't remember that um who was one of the clowns and it called for a dog and, and so Janet, of course, lover of dogs, wanted to use her lifelong dog that she brought with her, you know, to McMinnville. I believe the dog's name was Kesey. No, it was Bear. Bear. Because Kesey came after Bear. Okay. Um, Bear. Big dog, fluffy dog, lovey dog, old dog. Remember, old dog. And so, um, and, and so my job, of course, was to have Bear with me, but Bear always knew where Janet and Ted was in the show as well. And so she, of course, loved Ted and knew where Ted was. And I remember a time when I kind of had to like yank Bear off stage or we did something very physical and the dog Bear had this like heavy breathing and all the stuff. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill Janet's dog during the <laughs> middle of this show. And 
and if you've seen the Pioneer Hall space, there's nowhere to hide. Once no. you're backstage, you can't escape nope. or anything there. And so performing that last production with Janet's dog was so special because it truly, you know, there's an added rule, you like never act with children or animals on stage. And now I've done both extensively. And it really made it interesting because Bear, I think, was playing off of me more than I was playing off of Bear. And so every performance, I had no idea what her dog was going to do, compounded with the fact that I was stressed out that somehow I would hurt and or kill her dog. Yeah. And like my last, my last performance is there at Linfield. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, Janet, thank you. I, I did well. And I, you know, little props to Bear up in doggy heaven there. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to add, Matt, that you didn't get to say before? Uh, you know, I, I really don't. I just want to thank you both for doing this and for having me on. And hopefully other theater majors, past, present, and future are hearing this. And, you know, make it your own. Have success and just enjoy every day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. So finally, we are joined by our last alumni. We are talking to Mallory Mirashrafi, the one, the only fashion icon, excellence. I don't know, I idolize you kind of. <laughs> oh my God. Hi, thank you for having me. Do you wanna briefly introduce yourself and tell the people who you are? Sure. Uh, my name is Mallory. I use she and they pronouns. I graduated from Linfield in 2019, so I'm a pretty fresh alum. Um, and I was a theater and music student. Awesome. So briefly describe your time within the theater department at Linfield. Uh, it was a short time. <laughs> I, I transferred into Linfield from Chapman University in Southern California, but I grew up in Oregon and um, started my time as a science major, as a biochem major for two years, got most of the major done. And then <laughs> as many of us do, uh, had yeah. a last minute switch. Both of us did too, so. <laughs> well, so you know, you both know how difficult it is, right? To condense that curriculum into mm -hmm. two years. So I was doing a lot of class taking basically um, for those two years and uh, learning all those practical skills, did some acting, um, but really ended up finding a love for not only acting, but also directing and dramaturgy while I was there. Uh, so that kind of set me up for what I ended up doing later in my life. Why did you choose to switch to theater? Oh God. Um, it was a bunch of things, but mostly the summer between my sophomore and junior years, I did this play called Leila and Majnoon slash Romeo and Juliet with a company called Bag and Baggage in downtown Hillsborough. And it was a mashup, mix up of Romeo and Juliet, of course, by Shakespeare and uh, the play Leila and Majnoon by Nizami Ganjavi, who's a Persian classic uh, poet. And so doing that show, I think I realized for the first time how much I liked working with language. And I did a lot of translating for the show. I did a lot of, I was the assistant director on it, but I also was kind of the dramaturg without knowing that I was the dramaturg and felt like I was bringing so many parts of my identity into the room with me. And it felt like something 
that I love to do and that I was good at and that I could bring my whole self to. And so after that experience, I, I just kind of dove right into it and uh, withdrew from all my classes, but it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, a, I mean, I don't regret the decision, obviously. I, I'm so, so happy that I made the switch. And Linfield's department was extremely accommodating to me throughout those years too. Of those short few years, do you have like a favorite memory of being in the Linfield Theater Department? I have many memories. <laughs> the memory that I will choose to bring up <laughs> is uh, it happened my senior year amidst the show She Kills Monsters directed by Lindsay Mantone. It was dress or like final dress or some really closing moment for the show where you're like about to go into performances. I think it was the dress before final dress. And um, the person who played Lilith in the show who is a character who slings around a giant battle axe throughout the entirety of the show and it's her weapon. She tripped and broke the top part of her humor or fractured the top part of her humerus. And that just happened like yep. right before we were about to perform. And it was to me one of the most um one one of the one of the most incredible efforts that a cast and a crew and um, a community kind of put together during my time at Linfield because when that happens, normally what would happen is you would have to push back the date, right? Like there's no coming back from that. But instead, um, Lindsay, the director, really, you know, asked us how we wanted to handle it, mm -hmm. asked Nicole how she wanted to handle it, Nicole Tigner, who played the part. Um, and we kind of tackled it as as a as a group and you know we we all decided to come together and make it work and we opened on time and everything was fine none of the choreography even got messed up during the performances if I remember correctly um and it was I don't know if it's like the most fun amazing time that I had at Linfield but it definitely is one that sticks with me as uh, a really great example of what the department is capable of and like what a really good cast crew community relationship looks like when it comes to problem solving and like really dealing with something on the spot. When you changed your major to theater yeah. what are some reactions or questions that you got from people? Um. You know, I think people's inclination is to lean towards the practical, you know, and ask questions like, how are you going to make money and what will you do and that sort of thing. And that was certainly something I was keeping in mind. Oh, for a long time, I didn't really know what the answer was going to be. I, I, I thought for a while I was going to go into academia, jury's still out on that. Those were a lot of the questions that I got, but also people were just pretty kind about it for the most part. You know, I think one of the funnier things that I get asked a lot or get like told slash asked a lot is like, wow, was that a really hard and brave decision? <laughs> Which you sacrifice something. Yeah, exactly. People are really curious as to why I would choose such a difficult lifestyle. Yeah. Or, you know, their first instinct being, oh, to pursue this as a career, you're giving up something. Mm -hmm. You know, you're giving up a certain comfort or a certain um, stability, et cetera, and that that will decrease your quality of life, I think is really um, 
well, I think it's kind of sad, but it also um, just speaks to how people think and, and, and view like what you're supposed to get out of a college experience and out of a life experience. Um, what do you do now and how did theater help you get there? Um, I ended up doing pretty much everything that I wanted to do out of undergrad. So I wanted to, I wanted to act, direct, and dramaturg, right? And so um, my senior year, I was furiously applying to apprenticeships and internships and what have you out of college. And um, I applied to 26, which is probably kind of overkill, but I did land one. So I landed two. So, um, so, you know, did something. (laughs) And I was, I was uh, almost exclusively applying for literary positions in Wart theaters, regional theaters, mm-hmm. um, and then a few things in education and directing, but primarily literary. And so after I graduated, I did um, a show called Heathers. The summer between the summer that I graduated, or I played Veronica in that show, and then moved to San Francisco for the summer and did an internship with American Conservatory Theater in their education slash young conservatory department, which was generously funded by AHA, by the way, because I still had one online class to do. And then right after that moved um, to Boston to do a year long apprenticeship with uh, the Huntington in Boston, obviously. And uh, I was their literary apprentice. So I worked um, within a literary team that then worked within an artistic team within the whole theater. And that was amazing. And I would, you know, that's the type of work that I see myself doing. Since the pandemic started, I've been doing a lot of directing and dramaturgy. I did, I directed a show called Abundantia with Matchbox Theater, a few readings with like actors Shakespeare in Boston, Fresh Ink in Boston, Shaking the Tree in Portland. I'm mostly saying these theaters because they rule and like you should like look into them. I worked on a TikTok short film that should be coming out soon. So that's happening. (laughs) Um, And right now, right now, I'm uh, reading for a company called Scripture where I connect with new new playwrights and read their plays and we have little meetings. Um, So it's funded by Scripture and new playwrights get a free meeting with a dramaturg basically and we talk them through their plays and ask them questions and help develop their script and then um, I'm acting in a play called She Eats Apples upcoming in May. I will stop talking about like stuff I'm doing I swear this is the last thing. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm a dramaturg for the Criminal Queerness Festival through National Queer Theater and uh, what they do is if you're a theater maker who your home country I'm pointing at myself uh Fakes it so believes that being queer mm-hmm. is illegal, criminal queerness. Uh, all of the artists that are associated with the festival have that in common as their background. And so they're queer plays by queer playwrights and et cetera, artists who um, are performing in June in New York. Wow. So you've kept yourself busy. <laughs> yeah. I. Um... <laughs> what have you found, like, other than doing freelance now, like, how theater has kind of changed during the pandemic and how your work has kind of changed? It's changed in every conceivable way. I, I'm i kind of fortunate because I still get the immense pleasure of like sitting with playwrights and talking mm-hmm. to them about their plays and helping do that developmental new play development work, which is 
what I think a lot of my drive is to do since to me, that's kind of the pipeline of how you get new voices out there, you know, um, voices who have not been traditionally led into the theater, right? So what a better time to like incubate and really work with playwrights on the material that they're putting out than right now so that when eventually like performance starts happening, there are all of these new plays that are just yeah. ready to be taken if people choose to do them. And I think there are also so many necessary shifts happening in the social realm of theater, you know, with like, with We See You and all of these um, movements that are pushing for a, a greater understanding of the immense, immense inequities that are present in theater right now. And so in that way, the culture and the climate is completely different than anything that I had seen working in the regional circuit in Boston or anything like that. And for the best, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think people are really making a push now to change that while things are still moldable. And so in that way, I'm glad that things are so different. And I hope that when we emerge from all of this, it'll be even more different. So have you found that the skills you learned in the theater department or just in theater in general has helped you after graduation? So just skills that you would learn like within the classes and doing the shows and such. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I've ever like built a platform, but I can say that <laughs> um, that was just good for my 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 morale. Um, yeah, it's like I can do this, but I'm never gonna do it again. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, I like built a bookshelf um, for myself one time, and that was yeah. extremely as someone who reads a lot of plays, extremely useful for me. The skills that I learned in Linfield of the extremely applicable ones were the ones that. Um, were the ones that I learned by being there less so than than being in the classes, you know? Linfield is a very small school, um, but it also is a school with, um, with a lot of structure and rigor, right? And so if you want something, it's available to you, but you do have to ask for it. Yeah. So that was something that I found extremely helpful for me during my time at Linfield was if I wanted to do something, if I wanted to do a project, if I had an idea, even if there wasn't necessarily a platform for me to say that idea out loud, I could always snag someone and ask for it. Mm -hmm. And that fear of, of like, can I ask for something without getting punished was kind of um, alleviated. I had so many mentors at Linfield, namely um, Lindsay, who I've spoken about probably 60,000 times mm -hmm. now. And um, Daniel Paul Pilsner was also mm -hmm. huge in my development at Linfield because he gave me, I was his research assistant. So I was reading a lot of articles. I was reading a lot of new plays that completely equipped me to work in the new play development field. I very much came from a mindset that, that I that thinking big was not for me, mm -hmm. you know? And I think um, spending time with these mentors, you know, and everyone in the theater department, you know, like Janet, Derek, when he came around, all those people were like, yeah, apply for big stuff, you know? <laughs> like apply for stuff on the East Coast, apply for stuff out of state, like Dream apply big. for this, apply for this conference, like go off, you, like, you know, you just might get it. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I did that when I was leaving and um, and turns out sometimes you get it. <laughs> all right, so finally, do you have any advice to seniors and newly graduated alumni? 
I am a newly graduated. You alum. are. <laughs> but I guess the ones before, <laughs> the ones after you, the two classes after you. Me in a year. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, it's hilarious for me to even try to answer this question because <laughs> any experience that I had in the theatrical realm, professionally or otherwise, um, I hope that it will be obsolete when we come out of this pandemic. And I guess my 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 two pieces of advice would be one, if you have the time, <laughs> think about what your like dream version of theater would be. Mm-hmm. You know, like what if you could walk into a rehearsal room, what would you want it to look like? And what do you see the role of theater being in the future? You know, like is a theater a place where anyone can go and hang out and like drink a coffee? Or is it you know, somewhere that has a free fridge outside? Is it somewhere that exclusively does plays by X type of person? And when you get out into the world, like advocate for them because everything is changing now. Everything is different. Theater doesn't have to be on a stage. Theater doesn't have to just be like words. It can be like dance. It can be multimedia. It can be all of these things. And it has been, right? But you actually have a lot more control over what theater looks like. And people are listening more down the chain and then my second piece of advice, the, the practical piece that did me the most good was um, right now there's so much theater around the U.S. and also internationally that's being performed for free. <laughs> and if you want to work in this field, you know, I was I was talking to Lindsay the other day and she said, you know, this is our field work. If you were a scientist, you'd be doing research. But mm-hmm. since you work in theater you read plays and you go to, you know, you know what new work is being developed, what new initiatives there are, what language they're using for stuff. And there's so much access to all of that right now. So like, even if you just watch a reading of a play by a big theater once a week or something, um, you don't even have to read the plays. You can just watch it. And you're suddenly, instantly in the conversation So if you're in an interview and someone says, well, you know, they did this and this in New York, you can be like, oh yeah, I watched that reading. Mm -hmm. Here's what I thought about it. And I, you know, researched the director after and I really like the work that they've done. The momentum that that will give you and the the cred that will give you, I cannot overstate. The number of times that I was able to successfully reference a piece of theatrical history or a movement was not as useful to me as it was to to know what's happening right now and what it means. Thank you so much Thank for you. letting us chat with you. Of it course, say hi to everyone. Yeah, of course. They will hopefully all listen to this. <laughs> um, maybe when they see your name on it, they'll be like, oh yeah, I want to <laughs> listen to Mallory. I know her. <laughs> uh, <Thank> you, <laughs> it's generous of you. <laughs> So thank you for listening to the last podcast episode of the Linfield Theater podcast series. Um, our podcast has been kind of a pair of bookends where we started and ended uh, this season. Um, but if you have not listened to the other podcasts in between, um, The Button Man and Deal of a Lifetime go ahead and listen to those they're quite amazing and they're created by and produced and starring a whole bunch of our friends and peers 
And we want to give a huge thank you again to Kevin Curry and Kendall Harrison for helping us with all of our podcast needs. And Janet Gupton for being our faculty advisor. And thank you so much to Ash Sellers for the wonderful music that has been playing in between our podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye.